Welcome to the Sam Sarnos podcast, the inner game of weight loss and wellness. I'm Kate Krieg, your host and co-founder of Sam Sarnos, and our podcast is dedicated to giving you the science behind how to influence your mind and your habits to lose weight long-term, live longer, and transform your overall health with ease. We'll show you both the secret and the science behind why more than 95% of all diets and other popular weight loss and health programs fail. We'll put an end to yo-yo dieting and help you regain your health and manage your weight long-term. We won't prescribe diets, exercise challenges, or other programs that research shows us doesn't work. We'll be busting myths, shining a light on what works and what doesn't, and giving you practical tools and knowledge you can apply right away. You can start now by using our brand and motto, I am healthy. This is a positive affirmation and daily self-instruction to use on your journey to good health. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Dr. Cleo. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. This is Kate Craig and this is Dr. Gina Cleo again. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today. I'm really excited to get into some dirty detail <laughs> With you, if possible. I'm always up for dirty detail, Kate. Let's get into it. <laughs> Look, as somebody who doesn't like to bring up the past, something that I do, I mean, you know, that's the coach in me. I'm always forward thinking. I delve a little bit in the past to get some insight, but, you know, we're fo- focusing forward most of the time. But I get a little bit excited talking about the past with you because of your research and because of what you've been able to achieve in the space of weight loss and habit change and the amazing amount of recognition and just input that you've had in this space. So I would love to talk about the past with you. <laughs> All right, let's do it. I didn't know that was dirty detail, but hey, let's, let's do that. Okay, so the dirty detail we're going to get into is I'd love to talk a little bit more and share with our listeners about your clinical trial. And I often talk about it with people saying it's the highest level of evidence you can achieve. Um, And I'd just love to for you to talk to yeah, what what you what you did and how the what the outcomes were as well. Would you be happy to share that? Yeah, of course, Kate. So as you may know, we are running a current clinical trial for Samsanos, but the first clinical trial that I did um, started back in two thousand and fourteen was looking at habits and how they affect our eating behaviour and therefore our weight. And this really came from me working in a private practice where I saw a lot of clients that wanted to lose weight and feel better. And we managed to achieve those results short term. But then I used to call them frequent flyers. And I'd see these clients back again in the clinic, wanting to lose that same weight that we'd worked so hard to lose in the first place. So I started a PhD in weight loss maintenance. And that was really the goal. It's what helps us achieve weight loss long-term, so lose it and keep it off. Because weight loss is actually, believe it or not, it's the easier part. Keeping it off, that is the challenge. Mm. So with a clinical trial, I we ran what's called a randomized control trial. 
And it's a really robust methodology of research that basically removes as much bias as possible in a study. Um, what we did is uh, we had three different groups. So we had one group of participants, we had 75 participants in total. Uh, one group was in an intervention where they formed new healthy habits. The second group was in an intervention where they broke some of their old habits. And then the third intervention group, they were just a weightless control. So they were the intervention that we compared our first two interventions with. And what we found is over the 12-week period where this intervention was running, the groups in the both forming and breaking habits, they lost similar amounts of weight. So there wasn't any sort of profound findings there. But what was really interesting to see was a year after the study had finished, so these participants were all done with the interventions we made no contact with them apart from just a follow-up at six months to see how they were going. So after 12 months of no contact and no intervention, they actually had kept losing weight. And that was absolutely phenomenal because we normally see what we call the Nike swoosh of weight management where somebody loses weight on a weight loss program and then as soon as they finish that program, they flick right back up like the end bit of the tick, where they regain the weight that they lost and generally with a little bit more interest. But we actually found that the clients lost weight and kept losing weight. And that really came back to the fact that we were dealing with their habits and not just putting them on a diet or exercise program. Mm. Well, it's, it's, just, it's just such beautiful amount of research and I say beautiful because finally we actually have a solution that's reliable for long term and although it's so it's so evident you know the solution's been here it's about your habits and your eating habits and your movement habits and and I, I think even your mindset the way that you think and feel um, is related to how you can live with good health and lose weight mm. so it makes so much sense but I think the the challenge is is that I've heard you say before um, it's not very sexy <laughs> because it could it's not this really hard intense prescribed eating plan and intense exercise challenge over you know a twelve week period and you know you're just going to potentially lose all this weight. Um, the good news is is you're not going to regain the weight. Um, but it's not this short term, it's not sexy, is it? Right, it's not sexy. And I wish it was because then there'd be more uptake of habit change, but it's not. And the reason it's not, exactly like you said, Kate, you know, we can't promise that somebody's going to lose 10 kilograms in two weeks' time because we're not dealing with big changes and fad diets. We're dealing with those little incremental changes in somebody's lifestyle that they can do every single day and it feels, you know, sustainable to do so. So generally the results are, you know, I I put on my shoes, my sneakers this week and I walked out to the letterbox and I might have just had a little stroll around the neighbourhood and back. You know, this is not a boot camp or a, a marathon mm. training where you would expect bigger and more obvious results. But the difference as well is that 
you can promise long-term results where some of these fads and extreme behaviours can't because they're not sustainable. That's right. And it's really interesting, though, because I have the privilege of getting to speak with a lot of our clients that are going through the Samsanas program globally. And they actually have had some really amazing weight loss outcomes. But what I'm really interested in is when they say, you know, I went traveling and I just, I just was the person that I was each day, you know, and I I wasn't disrupted by my travel because my new routines and habits are automatic now. And they're the things that I'm looking for. And we're so conditioned to want to look at those before and after photos. But what we all know is that we don't see the after, after photos, after they've regained all the weight, after they've been on the program, but we're so conditioned to want to see, yeah, but what did you lose? What did you lose? What did you lose? But I'm so conditioned to say what they're saying in terms of how automatic and ingrained these new habits and behaviours are. Yeah, so true. And it's, you know, it's really interesting because I interviewed a bunch of the the participants from the clinical trial after the study had finished. And I said to them, you know, what have you done from when I saw you a year ago to now to continue losing this weight? And you know what's interesting is that most of them were completely shocked that they actually kept losing weight and they couldn't tell me what they'd done to keep losing weight. And it's because their behaviors and the habits that they'd acquired over that time were so automatic that it's not something they had to keep thinking about. So they were actually performing these new habits, Mm. healthy, and they were, you know, conducive to achieving their goals but they were just so much a part of their lifestyle. They didn't have to think about it or, you know, um, be really mindful and conscious of them. They just did them like second nature. And I actually had a, when you were saying the participants responded in that way, I was thinking when people used to ask me how I lost all the weight, I remember thinking my answer, I was thinking about my answer and my answer was I don't know. And people used to get so frustrated because I couldn't come up with, um, you know, a diet that I'd been on or an exercise regimen that I was doing. Yeah. I, I mean, the things that I, I actually came up with a list of all the teeny tiny, you can imagine I would have done something like this. I would have come up with a list because I was thinking, what did I do? <laughs> and I said to Ben, training, yeah. Uh, yeah. I said to Ben, my husband, I said, I, it's so, I can't tell people I lost weight because of these things. Like they're so small, you know, I put my sneakers on um, or, you know, I just did teeny tiny little tweaks here and there and, and even little things like I, for me, I didn't want to look at myself in reflections for a while and just little tiny changes I, I made, but all accumulatively, um, it just led to 30 kilos of weight loss oh, automatically. Amazing. Yeah. And you know, I think two things happen when you have that conversation with somebody, the conversation of, I don't really know what I did, or here are the tiny little things I did throughout you know, the couple of years where you spent losing weight. The two things that happen is firstly, they go, but I can't just sign up to that program. You know, it's not something I can just buy on the internet or read a book about because they're tiny little changes that are personal to your own life. So there's that disappointment of, I can't join that. And there's the second thing that happens is they go, oh, come on, are you telling me that just having an extra glass of water a day or putting on your shoes every day actually led to your weight loss? They perceive the behavior as so small and so insignificant 
that it can't possibly have created a 30 kilogram weight loss. But here you are living proof of, well, actually, when I did that consistently, it did result in not just the weight loss, but the weight loss maintenance and effortlessly so. (laughs) You have absolutely articulated that beautifully. And I think sometimes with our clients in the very beginning, they're going, oh, wow, I'm just trusting in the process, you know, because, you know, I'm just, I'm just doing these small little things. And then fast forward and they're going, oh, my gosh, you know, this has changed my life. You know, I'm such a different person. I've lost this weight. I'm no longer uh, am an emotional eater and I'm no longer being held captive by uh, alcohol or whatever it might be in their life, right? They're just saying to me how different their life is yeah. um, and how much has changed, but they don't know how yeah. because it's been so small and personal. So true. My mum used to always tell me when I was younger, don't despise the little things. Don't be upset with those small beginnings. And, you know, as a habit change researcher now, I realise how wise those words were because it really is about the little things that may seem insignificant but are actually so profoundly transformative if you perform them consistently because with those Mm. habits new habits create new lives and a new life is essentially the big goal that a lot of us have is whether it be a different weight or a different health outcome or a different mindset like you're saying you know it's it's just incredible what you can do Mm. it's just those those little baby steps oh I got goosebumps when you told me about what your mum said and now what you do it's just incredible (laughs) Oh, so you've said two things uh, and you've said small baby steps consistently over time. Now, I'd like to talk about those two things. Number one is the um, consistency of something and also the over time. So how long does it take to change habits? Uh, I wish I had a number when people ask me that because I hate when people say, well, it depends. (laughs) But it does depend. It depends on a a number of things, which I'll touch on, but basically it takes anywhere between 18 to 254 days to develop a habit. And there is an average of about 66 days. Now I'm conscious of that as a very big range, 18 to 254 days, but here's why. Okay. So a few things depend on, will depend on how long it takes. The first thing is how habitual you are as a person. So I think I must have mentioned this story before, but my fiance is one of the most habitual people I have ever met. In the first year of knowing him, he would eat the exact same meal every single day for lunch and for dinner. He'd make himself a chicken schnitzel with a side of salad, and it was always the same salad and the same schnitzel. And he did that without fail, apart from twice in the whole year, he ate that for lunch and dinner. So he is a highly habitual individual. And Mm -hmm. I, on the other hand, I actually can't think of two meals that I've had the same that I'm conscious of because I love diversity. I love every day looking different. I love trying new things. So 
my my fiance will acquire habits a lot quicker than I will, but I will break habits a lot quicker than he will. And that's very much it's a temperament mm-hmm. thing. It's our, you know, our born with personality. It's not something we can change so much. And it's not to say that I can't develop habits. I can. It'll just take me a little bit longer than it will for somebody who's a bit more habitual. Okay, that makes sense. And you have talked about the key ingredients in the past and I'd love to talk to you about the key ingredients of habit change and just flesh out. There's that The, the fleshing out is the dirty detail of this stuff. Um, can we flesh out what some of the key ingredients are of um, changing a habit? Yeah, absolutely. So I will touch on that, but I just wanted to also mention that the other aspect, I guess, of how long it takes to develop a habit, because I want to help you with mm. this, is also how difficult the behavior is that you're trying to change. So if I was to say to you, um, Kate, I want you to have a glass of water every time you have your breakfast, that's a fairly easy habit for you to acquire. And you could probably do that in three weeks or that 21 days that we that we hear about. But if I was to say to you, I want you to Uh, do 50 push-ups every time in the morning. As soon as you wake up, I want you to do 50 push-ups. That's going to take you a lot longer for 50 push-ups to feel like they're second nature and you do them without even really thinking about it. So take you longer with a more complex behavior than it will for a more simple behavior, which is part of the reason, you know, we encourage simple, small, consistent behaviors. Got it. So it takes a really long time potentially <laughs> to change a habit. No. Not so long. <laughs> okay, so 18 to 254 days, got it. But it also depends on the complexity, how complex it is yep. and how habitual you are or non-habitual you are as a person. That's right, yeah. And, look, there are other factors as well. You know, how long have you been? doing this habit for. So habits you've had for a long time might take you a bit longer to break than a habit you've just had in the past year. Um, How much you're exposed to the trigger that triggers that habit. You know, there's a few things that, that I guess influence that time. But I think the most important thing to keep in mind is that your brain changes every single day. Your brain is transforming and it's changing and it's taking new shape and we call that neuroplasticity and that's for a different podcast because a whole nother conversation but it's mm. just being aware your habits are not with you for life they're only there because you consistently do them but when you stop doing them you consistently get out of the habit of doing them and you can easily break habits or form new habits by by doing the activities or basically by doing the things that we tell you in Samsanos, which is, you know, the the science of behaviour change essentially. Oh, isn't it just so reassuring for all of our listeners to hear that you absolutely can change your brain and and as a result your habits because – and despite right. the fact that it could be ingrained for decades and, yeah, you could, you know, we, we could be um, performing habits for years or decades, um, but it's all possible to change. And, yeah, and, we, and, and absolutely, the, the comprehensiveness 
of the Samsanos program absolutely um, makes triply sure that people can really get that much value and be able to, I guess, achieve the goals that they want. Mm-hmm. Um, depend and, and doesn't matter how complex the behaviour is, and you know we've, we've we've accounted for all of it. So that's that's really critical. Yeah, and and, and it's, you know you're never too old. It, the the saying of you can't teach an old dog new tricks is not true when it comes to habit change. Mm. And also you're never too old and you're never too far gone. So no matter how much you feel a habit is ingrained, it is completely malleable, changeable, doable. It's just knowing the right tools to use in order to change those habits. Mm. That's an important one. I think that's where the persistence and patience um, comes into it. And actually I just before we go into the key ingredients now you've brought up something else for me and that is a willpower mm. <laughs> and you know how much do it does do people need willpower to change a habit um you know I know how much willpower I needed to stick to those diets um and how little willpower I needed to put my shoes on and walk out to the letterbox yeah. so can we touch on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. You know, willpower or self-control, it's an interchangeable word, is it's important for habit change because willpower is something, it's basically our conscious behaviours. It's saying, I am going to resist the 3 p.m. cookie that seems to always find its way into my belly on a weekday, for example. That That's trying to use our self-control. The issue with using self-control or willpower is it's a fleeting resource, which basically means our willpower runs out every day. And for some of us, it runs out fairly early in the morning. You know, if you've got, you know, lots of uh, lots of stresses in the morning, it could be kids, it could be traffic, it could be, you know, an unpleasant email, whatever it is that I guess takes up some of that willpower, and it's generally stress-related, that will depend, you know, how much willpower you've got for the rest of the day. And how much willpower you have will determine how much you stick to your goals. And that's why, you know, the lack of willpower, what I'm trying to say is that's why we don't want to be using willpower in our endeavors to try to change our behavior. But willpower is important for habit change because we have to actually initiate a new habit. So say I want to create a habit of eating fruit. I want to eat more fruit. I have to consciously remind myself that I want to eat a piece of fruit every day. So that takes willpower to start off with. But when I do that consistently, when I eat my piece of fruit consistently in the same environment, eventually I don't need willpower anymore and it will become a habit and my subconscious mind takes over. So self-control is only essential at the very beginning of a habit development. And the beauty of it is uh, the more you do that habit, the more automatic it becomes and the less willpower you need. And that's why habits are long-term. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that is a, that is an, a great overview and I often think about it because I think sometimes 
I know that I did still have to have some willpower to do a few of the activities that I'd set for myself, you know, my, in my, my own weight loss journey. And it was, it was nowhere near as much as cabbage soup diet and, you know, sprinting challenges. Um, but I still, I still needed to make a conscious decision to do it. Um, and then, you know, it became, it became strange um, and I didn't feel right if I didn't do some of those behaviours. And now it's just part, it's just me, it's who I am as a person. Oh, I actually think but, change is sexy. I don't know why people say it's not. <laughs> I mean, I say <laughs> Me too. But when you look at the long-term results, it's just so awesome. It's so exciting and it's totally sexy. <laughs> Thank you. Let's do that. Let's call it sexy. We're going to, it is, because I agree, it totally is. It totally is. Um, I'm a massive advocate. Now, so can we talk about the key ingredients, please? Yes, absolutely. So this is key ingredients to habit development. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Sorry. I'm priming you here, aren't I? <laughs> no, that's good. So there are three key ingredients and they are a cue, a routine, and a reward. So what a cue is, so a cue or a trigger, it's basically the trigger for the action that you do. So it's either going to be a time of day, a place that you're in, or it's going to be an emotion or a social situation. So for example, I'm cued by my alarm at 6am to wake up. That's, that's my trigger. The routine is the actual habit that you do that's triggered by the cue. So it's the action itself. And then you've got the reward. So the reward is the benefit that you gain from actually doing that habit or performing that behavior. So the reward is, I guess it's the reasoning behind deciding why the cue and routine are worth doing in the future. So here's an example. A cue is the you're going to get home from work that's your cue your routine is you eat a cookie and then your reward is the benefit that you gain from the cookie which is going to be satisfaction from having that sugary treat that gives you that little pick me up in the afternoon and what happens then is every time you get home you are automatically triggered to eat a cookie and that reward forms that positive feedback loop that goes that feels good. I like, I like eating a cookie. And so then that link strengthens to the point where getting home prompts you to eat that cookie automatically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is, this is the, the dirty detail bit that I'd love to dissect. So the cue is the trigger. Now you've said time, place, emotion, context, etc. So, so can it be, you know, when I feel hungry or when I feel bored or when I need to make a decision or every time I want chocolate or when everything else is done. Yeah, absolutely. All of those things that can be cues or triggers for the next behavior that happens. Perfect. Okay. So when I feel like uh, eating chocolate, I will take three deep breaths. You, I mean, you can do that, that but you're not going to be very rewarded because deep breathing, as much as I love it, it's certainly not going to give you that same uh, dopamine hit as chocolate, <laughs> but nice try. 
nice try. Well done. But no. I guess it's your goal so, is. So say, for example, your cues when I eat chocolate and you feel like when you want chocolate, you're out of control with it. It might be when I feel like eating chocolate, I will have one square of chocolate. And the reward is still the same. The reward is still you're having that sweet treat, you're having your chocolate and you feel good about that and that's okay. Mm. Okay, so that's that's great because I think the reward for me because the trigger, the cue or the trigger, which is what you use interchangeably, is the emotion or the you know feeling hungry or needing to make a decision or whatever that sort of event mm-hmm. is. Um, the routine is what you do. So um, when I feel like um, when I feel like I want chocolate, every time I want chocolate, I will. You said have one small piece of chocolate and eat it mindfully. Maybe that yeah. could be. And then the reward. It's because. For me, the reward actually is the hero in all of this. The reward becomes the, well, I shouldn't even say hero. It's more the focus point because it's so easy to say when I do something, I will. But what makes it possible, I think, to do is that reward. Yeah, absolutely. Would you, would you say yeah, that Yeah, definitely. Too? I mean, the reward at the end of the day is generally the reason why your habit has developed. A lot of the time we're actually pretty subconscious. We don't know necessarily what those rewards are, but it is something within us that makes us feel good. So the reward could be, uh, say for your 3 p.m. chocolate hit, it could be that you actually just need a break from work and going out to the cafeteria and getting a block of chocolate gives you that distraction. It could be that you feel like something sweet or it could be that there are people in the cafeteria around that time that you get socialized with and so you head on over there and there's the people and your habit is just to get the chocolate and and it's not necessarily that you want the chocolate, you just want that social interaction. And so you have to really think, what is it that this habit is doing for me? How is it serving me? And trying to understand what it is that you get out of it. And then going back and and trying to change the habit if it's something that you do want to change. Oh, this is good. So, um, so it's more we're so conditioned to say this is I shouldn't be doing this, and this is you know, this is bad, and we're so conditioned to be like that. Um, and everything I love about Samsanos and how we're helping people is completely reversing that and shifting paradigms because we know this new paradigm works long term so much more gentler but when you unpack it so you're actually rather than saying you know reminding yourself of why this this habit is not healthy for me and not helping me achieve my goals you're actually saying well what is it positively doing for you what actually yeah so rather than saying you know reinforcing I know that I I, because a lot of clients are saying I know that you know I shouldn't or don't want to be doing this using that language they're using that language straight away and this is what I love about having these conversations because it's well, what benefit are you getting from it what are you gaining from doing it what's the what's what what do you what is the reward really the intrinsic reward 
And so it's just flipping it differently and helping people think like that. I love that. That's amazing. You know, you use the key word there, which is I know I shouldn't. And it's actually very rare that knowledge changes behavior. We know we should exercise at least 30 minutes a day. We know we should have two pieces of fruit and five serves of vegetables a day. We know all of those things. We know we should have less screen time and go to bed at the same time every night. We know, but when does mm-hmm. knowledge change our behavior? It, it hasn't done so in the past, and it certainly doesn't do so consistently. But what does change our behavior more so is the awareness of the emotion or the benefit that a certain behavior gives us, or it could even be the negative that a behavior does. But it's it's being mindful and aware of that and saying, does this align with my values? Do I want to keep doing that? And coming from a place yeah. of self-love and self-compassion, which we talk a lot about, and not at all from mm-hmm. a space of I should, I shouldn't, and and giving ourselves rules because that's not going to work at all. Love it. And I often hear this so much from clients, I know I should, I shouldn't, um, and just softening that language and just and they, you can just see them melting into this new concept and it's just so much easier on themselves and their life and yeah it's a, it's a big so thing cool. and do you find that your clients struggle with that concept in the first place because i find that people generally have this oh but if i accept myself that means i'm accepting my weight or my health or whatever it is and and i and it's unacceptable and i don't want to do that and there's almost this fear around self acceptance do you find that it's massive 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 mm. massive massive it's huge and they it's so much it's so ingrained that it's our clients are not even kind of realizing that they're doing it until I'm there saying hey do you notice (laughs) this language and they're going oh yeah gosh I'm so hard on myself Yeah. yeah would you say and you know how how has that been serving you right up until now has it been serving you well, this this new, this, this old way of behaving, this being hard on yourself and and putting yourself last and lots of those yeah. things um, that come up, absolutely, all, all every single client. Wow, yeah. You know, honestly, for myself, one of the most liberating moments in my life was the realisation that I didn't have to be hard on myself to achieve success that actually it was through being kind to myself and accepting myself as I was that I was able to really move forward into a space of, uh, I guess, when I had that self-acceptance, that's when I started to achieve my goals, whether that they be personal goals or work goals. And it was the liberation of that, I guess, perfectionist mentality where I didn't have to be so hard on myself that's when the magic happened and it was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And people are so used to beating themselves up about everything. And once they free their minds from having to be in this negative space of self 
self-loathing, they start to be in this positive space of self-worth and positive self-image. And these small little changes that they're making nudge them forward. And all of a sudden, they're starting to see some results in their thinking, in their the way they feel, the way they look, the, the comments they're getting from people, what they're achieving in their life, the weight loss, all of these things. And then you've got this beautiful self-perpetuating cycle of self-efficacy that's just growing and building. And this is why I love coaching as well, because you, you get to help people on that really important journey to self-worth and moving away from self-loathing. Mm, yeah, love it. Hey, I think this is a whole new podcast. What do you think? Look, we always come up with whole new podcasts, don't we? When we're <laughs> well, look, I have one last question and I'll let everybody go. But the last question I have is you said consistency. So I would love to ask you the question of how consistent is consistent, especially when there's emotions that are inconsistent. So I may only, I may only feel like chocolate once in a blue moon, or I may feel like it every day as an example. What what what, what do you say in terms of the expect Mm-hmm. I was expectations. Uh, <laughs> what, what, from a habit perspective, what's an ingredient for consistency? Pick up there. <laughs> I always say that consistency is the secret source of habit change. And it really is. You know, the more consistent you are with the behavior, the more your brain moves towards creating that behavior as an automatic behavior. So the more you do something, essentially, the better it is for you. But you know, it, it can also be the consistency when it comes to a trigger. So there's research to show, for example, that if you um, go to church every Christmas and that's the only time that you attend church, you can still develop a habit of attending church at Christmas time, even though it's only once a year, but it's that you did so last year and the year before and you were consistent with that. But then you've got other habits, which is an everyday habit, and that might be Uh, I'm going to go for a 30-minute walk first thing in the morning. And the more you perform that habit at the same time, let's say it's, you know, first thing in the morning, the more automatic it'll be. So there's not, you know, a, a general rule, I guess, with consistency. It depends on what the habit is that you're trying to develop and how frequently your goal is to be performing that habit. Mm, I love it. That's a great um, a, a check-in. That's a great mm. check-in for people to use. And you know what? Again, everything, just every time you're speaking to me, I think, gosh, uh, I have to say it as much as, as much, I'm just going to say what's coming up for me. And <laughs> what's coming up is I just feel, thank goodness, that we have a beautiful program that is is also a coaching program because it's such a personal journey and it's such an individual journey and we really have the opportunity to help shape people's lives and like you said it depends on complexity intensity how habitual somebody is how non-habitual they are and how long they've been you know performing this particular particular um behavior in in the past and what what things sit surrounding it and all these other things and these are the things that we can really um, easily help people move through so I, I just was ending on a note oh, of gratitude love it thanks Kate oh thank you another beautiful podcast I look forward to sharing this with the rest of the world and thank you so much for all of your time and for being here again I look thank forward to the you. next one thanks everyone bye 
Thanks for listening to the Samsanos podcast. If you're ready to lose excess weight for good and transform your health and overall life, inquire about our global wellness program via samsanos.com. Or if you want to help others lose weight and transform lives as a career, get in touch via our website. We offer a well-supported training program to help you start a successful career as a Samsanos practitioner. And finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love you to please subscribe. And if you want to help us in our mission to change more than a million lives, we'd truly appreciate you adding a rating and review on iTunes so others can benefit. Thanks again for your support and for tuning in. See you next time.